Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is late. Oh, my goodness, if you are here in Wisconsin, I'm doing this when the sun is going down. It's been a Tuesday. Uh, But wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, because it most likely is Wednesday, (laughs) I wish you God's grace, God's life, God's goodness in your day today. doesn't matter, really, if it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I wish you God's presence. And where God is, there is peace, there is life, there is hope. Um, My friends, we celebrate a feast day today, now today being Tuesday. So again, listening to this later, well, just know we celebrated, past tense, a feast day on Tuesday, (laughs) the dedication of of St. John Lateran, the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. Yep, we Catholics, we have a feast for everything. Now, you might think, well, this is one of those lower feast days, not one of those higher feast days, because we know with high feast days, we change the readings. And lower feast days, we stay with the the schedule. I believe we're on Luke 17 and continue through. Oh, no, this is a high one. This is a big one. This is a biggie. Uh, And so we go off base. Not only do we go off base, this is such a big one, we have like, two readings. Normally, weekdays, we only have one first reading, a psalm, and then a gospel. Oh, no, not today. Today, you have reading, psalm, another reading, and then a gospel, just like a weekend. This is a big deal. And you know what? We're going to talk about why it's a big deal in a little bit. But, lest I go on too long, which I've been known to do, let's dive into the gospel. John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. So we're going to change from Luke to John. We're going to go up to John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. And an event happens very early in John's gospel that happens much later in the synoptic gospels. Uh, And it's one you're very familiar with, and we're going to hear it. But let's break open God's word together today, huh? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of Scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this the Jews answered him and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. My friends, the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, I don't know if you just 
heard that uh, honking car. Welcome to the uh, traffic jam in Keele, Wisconsin at 445 at night. That must have been two cars on on Fremont Street at the same time. Uh, So, brothers and sisters, what are we doing here? We Catholics have like feasts. Every time you turn around and sneeze, there's something. I mean, we celebrate the chair of Peter. We celebrate furniture. We celebrate the dedication of the Lateran Basilica in Rome. We celebrate the dedication of a building. Why do we do that? It's important. It really is. And not just because I, I you know, they, they make it a high feast day and, and, and extend readings. Here's what this is about. And it's a historical thing. So let's start here. You remember now, right? Within the first two centuries, uh, the first and second century, uh, even into the third century, well, the first, second, third, that's all kind of that confusing stuff. Basically, from when Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension happened, let's say 30 AD, up until 313. That's going to be the key date here, 313 AD. So roughly almost 300 years, the church was underground, right? Because it was a persecuted church, starting with the persecutions of Nero in uh, the you know mid-60s or so, under the, whose persecution Paul and Peter both were martyred um, and uh, blamed much of the failures of Rome on the Christians. Well, other emperors from that point took it and, and even built on that. And so it was an underground church. When we talk about the church in the catacombs, you know, that was it because that's where they would meet, underground, literally, around the catacombs, the, the burial places of the dead, because that was where they were safe. And if one was going to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, in a persecuted church, well, you did it because you believed it, right? Why else would you put yourself and your family and your life in danger? You did it because you believed it. Well, the reason 313 is a big deal is that was when this Edict of Milan was signed. What is the Edict of Milan? It's where Constantine, Emperor Constantine, who had just fought a battle, by the way, and become emperor, and and at least legend says that he woke up one morning, on the morning of the, the final battle, of the, the most important battle as to who's going to be the next emperor of the, the Roman Empire, and he said, you know, he dreamt this, and he looked up into the sky, and it said, under this sign, you shall conquer. And it was, you know, the clouds that formed in a cross or in his dream. You know, I'm, I, yeah, historians are just angry with me right now because I'm, I'm probably putting together 18 things. But I know that that is, is the truth, that it, the legend says, under this sign, you shall conquer. And it was the sign of the cross. So he had that cross emblazoned on all the, uh, the shields of his men, and he went out and he won the battle. And so, to honor the church, a lot of people think it made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. That is not true. That is not what happened with the Edict of Milan. What the Edict of Milan did was allowed it freedom of religion. It was no longer a persecuted church. Why is that important to this feast day? Because Constantine had this land by the wealthy Lateran family, had given him land there in the midst of Rome. 
and said, this is yours now as emperor. It's our gift to you on becoming emperor. And so Constantine gave it to the church. And on this Lateran land, the first church was built uh, ever. And, and it's the mother church of all of Christianity, uh, of all of our, our Catholic faith. And most people think that the Basilica, St. Peter's Basilica, is the church of uh, the Bishop of Rome, uh, otherwise known as the Pope. And that would be incorrect. Now, it's an easy mistake to make because whenever, you know, the, um, the, a pope dies and the College of Cardinals descends, they go into the, the, um, uh, into the Sistine Chapel there on the grounds of St. Peter's, right, in the Vatican. And that's where they deliberate in the Sistine Chapel uh, over who will be the next pope. And when a pope is, is you know, crowned, literally— uh, and selected, they go out onto the balcony it's at St. Peter's. And so it's an easy mistake to say, well, that must be the church of the Pope. No, the church of the Bishop of Rome, uh, again, the, of the Pope, is St. John Lateran. And that's the Basilica of St. John Lateran. So again, it is the mother church of our faith. Why is this important? What, what difference does this make? You know, it's the first, and so that's cool, but, but, well, many things. It's wonderful and dangerous. Let's talk about wonderful. Um, brothers and sisters, you and I would not be here. We would not, maybe even if we were here, we would not be Catholic. We would not be Christian without this event happening. Why? Because the Christian faith would have stayed an underground minor sect of Judaism, within and around the Mediterranean had this not happened. It would have been incredible and, and, a, and a phenomena, but what Constantine did was took it from below ground to above ground. And in so doing, um, allowed what happened over the next 17 centuries to take place, where it became... Um, the uh, driving force behind Western civilization. I don't think that's overstating it. Um, that it became, um, well, well I, I will say this, it was the glue that held the Roman Empire together when the Vandals and the Huns and the tribes of the North came out and sacked Rome. Uh, it carried the... Western civilization forward when the Roman Empire fell into feudalism and all of the libraries were burned, who was it that, that carried uh, forward all these, these documents? It was the Celts. It was the, the Irish monks who brought it back into Western Europe and, and saved Western civilization by bringing it back and, and creating it in the Dark Ages, the uh, the the foundation for Western civilization that you and I know today. Um, what has the Catholic Church done in 17,000? Well, let's just say it created the, uh, the hospitals as a, as a social entity 
were founded by the church. Sure, there were places that took care of the of the sick on an individual level in houses and things, but as a social entity that we were going to create a hospital, it was the church who did that. Uh, universities as as formal institutions dedicated to higher learning, yeah, that was pioneered by the church. The first integrated legal um, the legal system in the world, yeah, that was done by the church. And the single largest, largest charitable organization in the world, yeah, that's the church. Brothers and sisters, there is so much sometimes today that we look at the church and say, ah, oh, you know, look at the abuse that's happened. And, look at the, and you know what? All of that is true. Because the larger the light, right? Let's quote Carl Jung. The larger the light, the greater the shadow. And the Catholic Church is an enormous shadow. Why? Because it's enormous light. Praise be to Jesus Christ for that, by the way. Um, and and it, it has become the single largest charitable organization in the world, in the history of the world. So much good has been done through this. None of that would have happened had the church not gone from underground to above ground in that act of of uh, Constantine's and making the church equal or, or legitimate. Let's say, let's use that word, legitimate. Now, what's the dangerous part? Because in taking it from below ground where you had to be fervent, right? If you were, were going to die for the faith, you, you had to be fervent in it. Um, to above ground where even though the Edict of Milan did not make the church, brothers and sisters, um, the... Uh, Church of the Roman Empire. But for Constantine to conquer under that sign and for Constantine to allow it uh, to be above ground, people read the political tea leaves. And ultimately what they said was, to get ahead politically in this world, I need to be part of that world. And so they joined the church, not out of faith, not out of desire, not out of uh, fervent hope to advance and further the kingdom of God, but many, not all, not all, many did join the church to advance politically under not only Constantine, but emperors that followed him. Constantine himself didn't get baptized until his deathbed. Um, we know that the church became so filled with many of these political appointees that um, Benedict, right, and, and so many of those people went off and they became the mothers and the fathers uh, in the desert, right? Because they wanted to create these new communities that were rooted in the faith because these other churches had been so overrun with um, mediocrity, right? Um, we can fall into the danger, brothers and sisters, of being equated with empire, because that's what the church did. It didn't take long. Now, now again, the church, to its great, great credit, um, when, when people were leaving um, cities because the, the tribes of the north were coming down, the Mongols and, and et cetera, and sacking cities, uh, when the plague came through and people said, I'm out of here, do you know who stepped up? The bishops of those areas. Uh, holy women and men who were not bishops, and, and just lay people, whatever, just stepped up and stepped into these roles. And, and that's where the clerical garb that we have today comes from. 
the uh, the the vestiture that a priest would wear. Those are all from fourth, fifth, sixth century Rome that distinguished those who were head of dioceses. Dioceses, that whole idea of how the church is divided up, that's a Roman thing too, because that was their regions. They were divided into dioceses, and the head of that diocese would, governmentally was uh, somebody who would take care of, of governmental. It, it, you know, it would be like the, the county clerk or whatever, the, whoever is the, in it, the head of the county or the state of Wisconsin, the governor. And, and because people were abandoning that, the church held that together. And they patchworked it together until Charlemagne militarily could do it, what, in the 8th century? And the Holy Roman Empire came apart. But the problem is <clears throat> exactly that. The church became accustomed to power. And what was a church on the bottom that one had to be fervent to now became a church on the top that this church that honored the servant Jesus who took off his, his outer garments, right, and tied a, a towel around his waist on the night before he died and washed the feet of those who, who served uh, or, or those around the table, then became a church in power who had people serve it. That's the danger here, is we could like power because power is easy. Or we could like these huge buildings that were built, gorgeous. I mean, St. Peter's Basilica is fantastic. Notre Dame, gorgeous. And we, and we need and should. I don't want you to hear me incorrectly. All that stuff is beautiful, that if we're going to build something, an edifice, in honor of God, we need to give it everything we can. But the danger therein is God dwells there. And, and, and he doesn't dwell elsewhere, right? Um, brothers and sisters, the, the two sides of this coin continue today, right? Um, everything that I've talked about, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't point any fingers in judgment. All of this is a reality, that we can, be, we can fall into the traps of, of God being entombed, and that's the wrong word, captured, let's put that word, uh, in the buildings that we construct, gorgeous buildings to honor him, and, and we need to do that. But God is always bigger. And, uh, and we can become um, addicted to power and being served, right, rather than serving. You know, the whole structure of our church is built on empire, is built on monarchical idea. There's a reason that bishops are called the princes of the church, right? Because they were the princes and dressed in princely attire and, and attended to courts, and we can fall into, to, and, and not just, you know, and I, I don't mean to just point uh, fingers at, at bishops or anything like that. Any of us can fall into that. That we can like power, that there's in and out classes. Um, and, and again, all of this, this, this 313 was the best thing that happened to the church and maybe the worst, both and. And they both carry it. And I don't have any better answer than that. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful that this becomes, brothers and sisters, our mother church. But here's what I know. And, and I'm going to make a second point here because this gospel is way too good not to. And that means it's going to be a little longer. But I want to say it. 
Because Jesus himself in this gospel, right, um, he equates himself with the temple. Now, the temple was the center of, of life in, in Israel. It was the sem- center of Judaism. Um, and Jesus says, listen. And they say, give us a sign for what you're doing here. This is crazy stuff. He says, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And they say, how can you do that? This temple has been under construction for 46 days. But then, of course, he's talking about the temple of his body. But he's equating the two. He doesn't use that word accidentally. Brothers and sisters, if what he says is true, and it is, when we hear that you and I are the church, this celebrates that too. This celebrates not only the buildings that are magnificent, that do house God, by the way, but do not contain God in God's fullness. It also celebrates the fact that you and I are a church. Now, don't buy it just because Jesus alluded to it. Certainly don't buy it because I'm saying it. Let's use Paul in the second reading today. First word. This is 1 Corinthians 3, okay? If you need to look it up. Brothers and sisters, Paul says, you are God's building. You and I, brothers and sisters, are the church. Now, I am not the church in my independence and in my uh, singularity. I am only the church when I am connected to the larger church, capital C, meaning all of us gathered in community. And all of us also means the Bishop of Rome and also means the bishops and also means everybody around the world. That, that it is not just Joe Zank and the Church of Kiel, that we are the church. We are part of the church. We are part of the larger church in connection with the Bishop of Rome and the Bishop of, of Green Bay and the Church of Green Bay. We are part of the church. We carry the temple or the Spirit of God within us. It is both and. And, and, last thing I'll say, this whole idea, you know, of why Jesus upended the money changers uh, and everybody there made a whip out of cords and, and drove the sheep and oxen out, and, and got rid of the, the doves and said, stop making my father's house a marketplace? Was it because they were, they were tipping the scales and cheating those who came in? Yeah, there's, there's probably evidence of that. Is that part of it? I think that's part there. But I don't think it's the main reason. I think the main reason is they were buying and selling God. And, and he's saying, brothers and sisters, God is not for sale. Grace is free. And, and, and God will not be uh, contained or purchased or possessed by any of us, certainly not by our money. Now, we might look back on that and say, that's a, a, a Jewish idea here that Jesus needs to take care of, or, by the way, a, uh, a what, 15th century, 16th century idea when Luther, you know, would put his 95 thesis on the church in Wittenberg that says the church has to stop doing those things and, uh, and you know, having people pay stipends, uh, you know, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs, that idea that all I got to do is give money to this uh, edifice being built in Rome, St. Peter's Basilica, and I can get my, my family out of purgatory. Like God is, like I can put money in a, in a vending machine and God answers to me. Brothers and sisters, all those are ancient and dangerous ideas, but we do it in different ways now. Much sneakier. 
Have you ever heard anybody say, God, I've gone to Mass every every day of, of my life. I've gone every weekend religiously. I've I've tried to do what's good for you, and yet my my son or daughter still has this disease. Are we trying? You know, again, that's just an example. Put different names, different ideas, all those things around it. But do we still try to buy and sell God through our deeds that we're trying to control him? Brothers and sisters, we participate in the life of God. Grace is free. God is free. That, which is why, yes, our, our, the church over there, we can go and sit in front of the tabernacle and we are in the presence of God. When the community comes together, we are in the presence of God. There is no doubt of that. No doubt about that. But God is bigger. He is always freer. We do not possess God. I want to read you something I read in my uh, prayer this morning. And I'll end with this. But it's this marvelous idea. And this is from Thomas Keating. These are not my words. These are his. Um, and he's, he's inviting us to, to repentance and change. But he says, here's the deal. The kingdom of God belongs to those who have let go of their possessive attitude toward everything, including God. God is pure gift. I'm going to read that again. The kingdom of God belongs to those who have let go of their possessive attitude toward everything, including God. God is pure gift. Brothers and sisters, on this day, when Constantine gave a gift to the church, and he did, a beautiful and dangerous one, and maybe those are all the best gifts, carry both sides, a beautiful and dangerous gift. And Jesus gave a gift to us in reminding us that God is free. We cannot possess God. We don't need to. All we need to say is yes. We participate in that life that the Spirit resides within us. We carry that temple. And that God, we cannot possess him. Nor should we attempt to. To give it up and just trust that God walks with us in whatever moment this is. And let that be enough. Today we celebrate our mother. Our mother church. And that is good. And it is good. Let's remember that. When people try to say some things like, ah, that church this, that church that. Let's listen to the complaints because they carry an element of truth. But let's remember they don't carry the whole truth either. The church is beautiful. And because of this day, it has grown into something beautiful. It has not yet reached the fullness of the extent of Christ. And so... We continue and participate and invite it to become what it can be. Let's pray. We continue through the sorrowful mysteries this week, my friends, and let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The second sorrowful mystery, the scourging at the pillar. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 
Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Pope Francis, pray for us. It is entirely dark outside right now because I went on so dang long that what was becoming dark is now dark. My friends, bless you. Uh, Have a wonderful Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, whenever you listen to this. And I look forward to us getting back together again and breaking open more of God's word. God's peace.